You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hi, it's Julie here. Thanks for tuning in. It is my honor and pleasure to introduce my dear friend, Danae Shows, founder, owner, and boss lady of Ministry of Capi. Danae shares her journey to becoming an entrepreneur through taking a chance, learning as she goes, and discovering her true passion after a life-threatening accident. Hear about the physical and emotional challenges she's overcome to pursue her mission to share the experience of damn good Indian coffee with the world. Sit back, grab your favorite Maker's Mark cocktail, and get inspired. Danae, welcome to Served Up. Julie and I are so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. We've been looking forward to this, Danae. I'm so excited to hear your story. Oh, me too. Me too. I really appreciate the opportunity. So from what I hear from Julie Danae is that you have a very interesting journey into the coffee world. But before we start into that, we'd love to know like where you grew up. What was your early days like? Yeah. So I am from California originally, the Central Valley, not any place super cool like LA, like four hours north in the Central Valley where all the food's grown. It smells like cow poo and grass. (laughs) And I basically was born and raised there. I went to school in Santa Barbara. And after I graduated college, I moved to London and I was working in um, the banking industry for about 10 years. It was a really long time. I lost, I lost count. <laughs> Too long, probably. Um, so I have a very a totally different background coming to coffee. I don't have a coffee background per se. Like I wasn't a barista. I wasn't a roaster. I wasn't some, you know, coffee aficionado coming from this. Um, so it's been a really like interesting pivot and, and a really interesting journey. Um, but yeah, that's, that's more or less my background in a nutshell. Tell us a little bit about your childhood and growing up, like your family. And, you know, we like to dig to understand (laughs) where one would really get the roots to want to be in the hospitality service industry. Do you have like a margarita? I can like go on forever. (laughs) So my background, I'm, um, I'm half Mexican and my dad's from Alabama. So I'm half white and I had a very sort of like a dual childhood, if you would, because my parents divorced when I was two. So I lived with my mom 50% of the time, my dad 50% of the time. So I had like an intro into like two different, very different worlds. And yeah, I mean, my childhood, I, I was always like really serious. I was never, I never like liked playing by myself. I always like wanted to be with adults and that's um, surprising because you seem so playful. Maybe now I am. I'm like now getting back to like my inner child and like (laughs) figuring out just 
how to be a little less serious. But yeah, like when I was younger, I just couldn't wait to be an adult and like be independent and grow up and just move far, far away. And I think that's because, um, I mean, coming from the Central Valley, it's I guess it's like any other small town in the middle of nowhere. It's, you know, you kind of, you kind of want to get out sometimes. And I had that itch from a very early, very early on. So what was it like being like at your mom's house? That's the Mexican Mm -hmm. side of your family. And then having a dad from Alabama. I mean, that's like two different (laughs) worlds. So what, what was it, what was it like, like spending time with the family at either household? Well, so Yeah. Even though my dad's from Alabama, um, his side of the family can be really fun, but they were also very sort of dysfunctional in ways. So we weren't as tight knit. Um, And then I had my stepmother's side and her side was like very proper. And it was just sort of like very, I felt, I want to say like cookie cutter. And like, we had the beautiful house. It was like the white picket fence and the dog and the like, I had two brothers and it was just, it was very almost like perfect, quote unquote. Um, And then my mom's side of the family was just very loud and fun and chaotic. And like, you know, we'd go over, I like had my first sip of beer when I was like six or something, you know, it was just like no big deal. And there were pinatas and there's always like beans being cooked on the stovetop and tortillas were made every Sunday. It was a lot of fun, but I, I picked up like certain programming. I think when I was young, just like seeing that side and seeing how Mexicans are treated in California. So that was also really fascinating to like be living this sort of like perfect world when I'm at my dad's and then seeing this other world when I'm at my mom's. Um, Can I paint a better picture? I'm I'm just trying to think like, yeah, (laughs) no, I could, I can relate, you know, having coming from a mixed background and being with like my Korean family versus the white side. So I can, I can Mm -hmm. definitely relate. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I appreciate it now. I think when I was younger, it was just so frustrating to have to like live these dual lives. Like my friends at school could tell which household I was at, like how I smelled. Cause my mom would have these cinnamon oh. sticks, um, you know, like the cinnamon sticks that you like dump in the oil and the entire house smelled like cinnamon and I would smell like cinnamon. And then <laughs> So my friends could tell like whose house I was at. And then also just like how I acted and like the clothes I would wear and like what I would bring um, to lunch and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't I don't think I realized it as much. I was just sort of frustrated. And now growing up, you get a bit of perspective and it was good, though. So what brought you, Danae, from, you know, living in California and these dual households to where you are today in Miami and really someone who has founded just a simply delicious coffee company. I had the chance to sample it myself and it's just wonderful. I'd love to know more about that part of your journey. That's so sweet of you to say. Thank you. That makes me really happy when, whenever I hear feedback. Yeah. So how the heck did I end up here? Um, so like I said, I'm, I grew, I was born and raised in California and then I went to school in Santa Barbara and I had a, um, I had a moment my senior year of college where I was like, oh my God, I should have been doing internships. Like, is, is that what people do? I had no idea because I never had any like role models growing up to be like, okay, you know, when you're a junior, you should do this. And like, you should start thinking about your future in a couple of years. My parents, like my dad is an entrepreneur and he was just very much of the mindset, like 
just start a job, like just start a company or just like work for yourself. Like you don't even need to go to college. So I didn't really have like much of an idea of what I should be doing. So my senior year, I just like freaked out and applied for an internship in London. And the the website was so sketchy. It was like a cartoon of a black cabbie and then like a yellow cab from New York. And the whole thing was like, um, we'll do, you basically apply to this program and then you swap with like an English person. And basically all the kids from the US go to England and all the English kids come to the US and they like place you in jobs. So I was like, well, this looks interesting. Like I'd love to go to London. I lived abroad before and I want to go back, but I want to work and make money. So I applied and I got in and um, that led me to London. And I worked at UBS for a year there. And it was like one of the best years of my life. So working or living in London? Oh my God. Living in (laughs) London. Of course. Working was interesting. Um, it was definitely, I was such a misfit. I don't, (laughs) I think my boss was away. He was on, um, holiday in Italy for like a week when I showed up. So somebody else interviewed me and, um, they decided to place me there. So my actual boss comes in a week later and he sits me down and he's going through the whole, like, hi, I'm Tom. This is, you know, what are you interested in? Like, how can we make this internship work? And very early on, he was just like, you know what? I don't know if this is the right fit for you. (laughs) Basically it was like a dating situation where it's like, it's not you, it's us. I don't know if we can give you what you're looking for. And I was just like, wait, what? I spent all this money. I'm here now. Like, no, we can totally find something. Like I can do anything. <laughs> so yeah, I I ended up I ended up staying. Um, and it was really great work-wise because he was um he was also American. And so he was like sort of more open, I think, in his approach to, I don't know, coaching me or just being a really great role model and like finding a spot for me and finding like things that I could do in banking that um would, you know, work for my skill set. Because I mean, it, let me back up. Like in college, I basically meditated for credit and I moved to France and I made like pies. So my, I majored in global studies. Like this was such a misplacement, but I was like working for a millionaire in Santa Barbara doing his QuickBooks. And someone thought that like that qualified me to work at UBS. So oh God. <laughs> And there I was in London, but it was actually, it was really great. At the end of the year, they like wanted to hire me. So something worked out. Well, and then where did you go from London? Yeah. So I wanted to stay. Um, I even looked into getting married. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, I love the, I love that city that obviously didn't work out. Um, so I was placed in a position in New York with, um, one of my boss's friends. He had found, helped find me, um, a position within, um, the, the cash department in, um, in the private sector. And, um, yeah, I just sort of hung on. I, I I landed in New York a year later and I hung on for dear life because that was right around the time of the financial crisis. And so I was just like, I don't necessarily know that banking is a great fit, but I want to live in London or I want to live in New York and I have a great job. So I'm just going to hang on for the ride and like see where this goes. And that's what I did for 10 years, I think. It was a really long time. It was very good, but probably stayed there a little bit too long. Wow. That is, yeah. So, I mean, and then, yeah, and then, um, 
I met my husband about 10 years ago and then I quit UBS about seven years ago, I want to say. So that's how, that's how we ended up here. He loves Miami. We've been going back and forth for a long time. And then with the pandemic, we're just sort of here. So that's a very long winded story of how I got here. But, um, so once you arrived to Miami with your husband, what inspired you to dive into the coffee world? So I actually dove into the coffee world when I was in New York. Um, we, he introduced me to coffee. I was dating him and I woke up one morning and he made me coffee in bed. And I was like, holy shit. Can I say shit? Sorry. Yeah. Holy (laughs) shit. Like, what did you do? This is the best coffee ever. Like whenever I make it, it's like either muddy water or like sludge. Like what is going on? What'd you do? And And also you're a keeper because you brought me coffee in bed. Like my dad would do that in high school just to get my ass out of bed. I was like, I'm hanging on. (laughs) So he showed me this like really funny contraption. It's, it's a South Indian coffee filter. And I was like, what the hell is that? And he's like, yeah, this is what I make coffee out of. And it's so, it's so basic and utilitarian. When you see it, you're kind of like, huh? It's literally two cups nestled on top of one another. And you brew the coffee in the upper cup or chamber, and then it just drips down. And it's like so basic, but I had never heard of India or Indian coffee, like Indian coffee. And so I just thought he was pulling my leg. I was like, you're lying. India doesn't have coffee. Like, what is this? And he's like, no. It's Indian coffee. And then he opens up his cupboards and he shows me all this coffee, like his coffee stash from India. And I'm going, what? I'm like, totally like, this is like left field for me. So he makes great coffee. And then he tells me that India has coffee. And I'm like, wow, well, okay, this is amazing. You have to make it every day. So he did. And then he left on a business trip and then I had to make it. And I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, how does this work? Like, I need my fix. So, um, yeah, that's how I got into coffee when we started dating in New York. And, um, and I, I basically drank his whole stash and we went through it really quickly. Right. And I couldn't find any more. So I was like, oh, no worries. You know what? You make all the coffee. Like I'll just go out and find some. So I went to like all the little specialty stores, nothing, nobody had Indian coffee. And I'm going, well, what? Like it's, I know about it now. So I have to go find it. And since no one had it, I just thought, Oh, well, next time we go home, I'll get some and like, (laughs) no big deal. I I hadn't really thought about like starting the business right then. It was just sort of the pieces were in motion. So this is like, gosh, I want to say 10 years ago when we were dating and living together in New York. And you, and so, yeah, and, and your husband's name. Oh yes. His name is Shiv. So Shiv is, is from South India. Or he, is it? So he's actually Punjabi. He's North Indian. Mm-hmm. Um, and they grow coffee in the South and um, it's, it's very different. India's like, they're like a whole bunch of nations in one, like the culture is different. The food's different. The language is different. Everything is so different. But at a young age, his brother, his older brother was like really into gadgets And he found this South Indian coffee filter and like enjoyed making coffee. And so that's how his brother Shiv, that's how Shiv found out about it. Um, And then fast forward many years, Shiv's older brother, Rishi moved to Bangalore and he met um, 
a woman, Uthra, now my sister-in-law and married. And Uthra was really our South Indian coffee connection because she grew up on a plantation in Munar, which is like so gorgeous up in the hills. It's like fresh air, mist rolling and like tea, you know, tea bushes everywhere. And so she was like really in the industry and her friends had some coffee and she would just get it and send it to Shiv in New York. So that's like how we got into it. That's how he got into it. And then that's how I was introduced to it. So did, so tell us about, I mean, that's so great that you call India home because, you know, you know, now it is, it is it, part of your home it, now. It is. It really, you know what, the first couple of times I went there, like a, he was shocked because he's like, why, why aren't you shocked? Like, why is this not so surprising? Like most people, I think when they go to India like culture shock, yeah. Like he was just expecting me to be like, Oh my God, this is like, sensory overload or way too much. And I was like, honestly, the driving's just a bit crazy, but everything else does not shock me. The driving there is horrendous. <laughs> it's not crazy. It's awful. I've been to it's, India. It's scary as all get out. It's, it's like driving. organized chaos. Like I totally get it now. It like doesn't. Yeah. But like when I first got there, I was just like, Oh my God, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. But I'm, you know, I'm half Mexican and we went to Mexico a lot and it kind of just reminded me of Mexico on a certain level. And so I wasn't like, Oh my God, like, you know, there's people on the side of the road, there's cows, there's whatever. Like it just, I don't know. It didn't really shock me. And then after, you know, going to his parents' house for a couple of years, like it started to feel like home. And there's so many similarities between Mexicans and Indians, or at least like Punjabis, like his family is very much like my mother's side of the family. Mm -hmm. And he felt that immediately when he went, when he met my mother's side of the family, like they, they opened the door and like, we're pouring him shots of tequila. Like it was just very... Yeah, they're they're so similar. And his mother kind of reminds me of like is just someone on my grandmother's side on my mom's. Yeah. So it's it does feel like home. And I do have my OCI card now, which is my um overseas um citizenship of India. So oh wow. And do you get that as being married or I apply yeah. So mm -hmm. if you're married, you can apply. And we applied right before the pandemic. And so, but it takes a long time to get processed. So now I can go over there, um, and live there pretty, you know, I just, I can't vote, but, um, yeah, it allows me, it's kind of like, this is probably oversimplifying it, but it's almost like a green card, like, a, yeah, like a green card. Like I don't have to apply for a visa every 10 years. So, um, that's really nice. So yeah, it is home in a sense. It's getting there, but I'm, I'm like totally getting sidetracked. So I'm no, like, this is what, what we do. I love to hear about that. Yeah. Julie and I laugh because we usually ask our guests maybe three or four questions over the course of an hour. Because <laughs> I know I was listening to your other podcasts and I was like, I don't think I can talk for that long. Like, I just don't know. I'm not. <laughs> Danae, Danae I, just, I just met you and I think that you can. <laughs> I haven't even had like coffee. So. Well, oh, it's, it's a small world. And, and Danae just, I've met, I met Danae through um, Shiv because Shiv came down to Miami a couple of times and met my husband and he was so adamant he needed his condo in South Beach in Miami. He is like <laughs> the, the man biggest, knows what he wants. Yes. And he's like <laughs> the biggest fan. And um, Mr. So, Miami. Yes, Mr. Miami. So he works, you know 
full time in New York and any chance he'd come, he'd have, you know, it's to come down and be at his condo in South Beach. And so every time they were down, um, him and Danae, we would always hang out. So I feel like I've kind of been on that journey with you guys, you know, yes. first you guys were dating yeah. and then you were, and then and it was right after the accident. Like you met me, I think, did I still have braces? You might have. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, this is actually how I got into coffee, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's been a real evolution. Like I met Keen when he was like still in diapers. Yeah. He's so cute. The cutest kid. But what what happened with the accident? I don't so know. So yeah, I this is like really, really strange. But I started dating Shiv and soon after we moved in pretty quickly together. I mean, in my little cubby hole, but <laughs> he would like give me. Um, and then I it just like made sense to move in. And we moved in together, and literally the same week that I moved in, we ordered a new bed. And um, I was on my way home. I I remember this very clearly. Like I went to yoga and I was on my way home and I was like, do you need anything at the grocery store? I'm going to stop by and pick up some stuff and then I'll be there and then I'll help you put the bed together. Um, And he was like, maybe milk. Can you get milk? So I'm like, okay. So I'm waiting at the corner of um, 75th and Amsterdam and the like the light lit up. And so the little like walking man lit up. And so I was walking, there's this woman in front of me and like the, okay. So like the little man went, the little like light <laughs> lit up and, um, there's, there was this woman walking in front of me and out of the corner of my eye, I see this car coming towards us and it like, she rushed ahead and she missed the car. And then I noticed that like the car was not slowing down and it literally ran into me like the split second before I was like, he's not stopping. Oh shit. And then I blacked out. And like, I was dreaming and I was like swim flying through milk in my dream. And like, it was just so bizarre. And I'm like, wait, what, why am I swim flying? Like, what is this? And like, why am I in milk? Like, that doesn't make sense. And it was because I realized I was like, oh my God, that's not milk. That's blood. And like, I, what, what just happened? Like I came to, and I realized that I had been hit. And I was lying on the ground on uh, Amsterdam Avenue and like people were around me and I couldn't breathe. Like I had the wind knocked out of me and um, the paramedic was like picking me up and putting me on the stretcher and into the ambulance. And I was just like, oh my God, like I just started freaking out. And I just remember asking the paramedic, am I going to die? Am I going to die? And he was like, we don't know. That's why we're taking you to the hospital. And I'm like, what? Oh my God. Like, a little sensitivity training. I yeah. was like, a jerk. Lie to me. Just yeah. tell me I'm going to be fine. Cause even if I am going to die, then like my last moments are going to be like, Oh my God, I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like that, uh, that was just so crazy. So I was hit by this car and, um, taken to this hospital. There were like gunshot victims and sh- I don't know how they contacted Shiv. Cause I like, how they even gotten my phone? I have no idea, but suddenly like I'm in this hospital and like nurse delicious is taking care of me. Like, yes, literally her name is nurse delicious because I heard her talking to the other nurse outside. And she was like, Oh baby, you can call me delicious. And I was like, what did they give me? Is it like, is this the best medicine or what? <laughs> But so yeah, Shiv arrives and he's just like, we're getting you the hell out of here. So I had braces at the time 
as an adult, I decided to use my money to fix my teeth. And it was so embarrassing. And I was going to get them off the next month. And um, my orthodontist was like, you know what, let's just leave them on for like one more month. I just want to make sure everything's fine. And thank God I did because literally my teeth were like crooked inside my mouth, like with the braces still on them. My jaw was hanging over to the right. I had this huge gash in my head. My clavicle is broken. Like my nose is totally broken. I broke like all these little bones underneath my oh eye. My it was like, I looked like a monster. When I looked at myself, I was just like, I didn't want anybody to see me. And so, yeah, like we moved in and, and then within a week I was in this car accident and my mom from California flew out to New York and she was living with us for another, for like the first month. My goodness, girlfriend. So Shiv went to being totally like single and living by himself to living with me and my mother. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, if that doesn't, I mean, and he He's stayed and he stayed, I he, mean, he didn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I don't think I ever realized that it must've been a while after your accident yeah, that you well, came down. He started looking at apartments here or places here. Um, while I was recovering, like I couldn't come down to Miami with him because I was stuck in New York, like in bed. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure of the timing, but it was yeah. around that time. Yeah. Well, um, that's, that's crazy. I mean, that's, that's a lot going on, but you know, and, and at some point you discovered India, but yeah, so discovered like, coffee. Long story short, I had this like wake up call, literally like universe is like, we're just going to rock bottom you. <laughs> Like you weren't that happy in banking. Well, guess what? Like, so I, I just had this like urge to do something else. And I was like, okay, clearly I got the message. Like I'm on the wrong path or whatever you want to call it. Woo woo. Like I'm not supposed to be doing this. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? So very long story short, like that's, that's really, and I don't talk about that, but that is what sort of propelled my, my coffee venture, if you will, like um, to actually, to really do something for yourself and like yeah. discover your own passion. I mean, I always had this, this sense that I, I mean, my dad's an entrepreneur, my stepmom's an entrepreneur. Like I, I grew up with seeing that and also wanting that for myself. I wanted the freedom I wanted. Um, you know, I, I just, that really appealed to me and I never knew in what capacity. And then after this accident, it kind of just like clicked and fell in place. I was like, I'm going to do this coffee thing. How cool would that be? <laughs> Which is so naive, but like, I don't know. I feel like the best ideas are just whenever you have, like, you have no clue how hard something's going to be you're like, Oh, why not? So that's really how it like came together. After this accident, I had a lot of time to think and I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a go because I really love this. And maybe this is it. Like maybe I can do something here. And so it was just sort of an idea that kind of grew from there. So what did, what was your first step then? So you're recovering from the accident. You're, you're ready to do something for yourself. You're completely inspired and ready to rock it. How did you get started? Slowly. So I've like... I mean, I don't know if you follow astrology, but I have a lot of Taurus in me. And that means like, I take my time and I am a perfectionist. I'm like, I want to just like read everything first and then slowly do it. So it wasn't like, I mean, yeah, I kind of jumped off some cliffs, but like I filed for my LLC immediately. Um, I was like, I thought of a name and filed for my LLC. And then I was like, okay, now what? 
<laughs> and then I was like, how am I going to get this coffee? And tell us the name. So, oh yeah. Okay. So the, the name is Ministry of Copy. Copy is what they call copy in India. It's like their phonetic rendering. Um, and ministry, we're not religiously affiliated. It's just sort of a play on words because um, all it's it's like, a you know, India is a former British colony, like all the departments or whatever. It's like the Ministry of Affairs, of Education, the Ministry of, you know, so it's really a play on words. A lot of people don't get that here and I'm looking to rebrand and rename. So, <laughs> but for right now, it's Ministry of Copy and I picked it because I I really wanted to be true to Indian coffee that's called copy and you know, it sets it apart. I'm not doing coffee like everybody else. Um, I'm doing specifically Indian coffee. And, and so, yeah, once I got the name and I filed for the LLC, I was like, okay, now I need some coffee. And since I couldn't find it in New York, I called around, I called a couple importers and they didn't have anything. And I'm going, oh my God, well, how do I get it? I kind of just thought that most roasters go to the countries where they get like where they import, they, I just thought everybody imported it themselves. Like, I guess they don't like I'm learning this now. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to India then. Like I'll go there and I'll get the coffee. So I started, I read a couple articles and I found some estates and I pretty much just cold called them like cold emailed. Some people got back to me and we had some WhatsApp calls and, um, I made arrangements to piggyback a little coffee exploration trip. Um, the next time that we were visiting family. And that's kind of just how it unraveled. Like they rolled out the red carpet. I mean, this was just like, imagine me coming off of this accident. I still, I had to like keep my braces on, right? And like realign my teeth. So I, I show up in India with my braces and I have to wear glasses because my nose is broken. My like face is broken. And I kind of like wanted to be very respectful and like, I was just very conscientious about what I was wearing. So I like went out and like, I got this like Indian, um, some Indian dresses and I just looked so hilarious and I looked 12 anyway. <laughs> so I was so self-conscious and this guy who's like, who owns the estate, he's like, so you're from New York and you have a coffee company and you're interested in Indian coffee. And I'm like, yes. He's like, you think there's a future? And I'm like, oh, absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. Like, okay, I'll sell you some. <laughs> but yeah, he kind of took a chance on me. And I was just sort of like, you know, trying to like dress the part and, and you know, fake it till you make it's what they say. And it was just so obvious that like I was not faking it, but I was trying. And yeah, it worked out. So I I bought a few bags from him just to start. And I I import it now. Like I import it myself. I've always done that. And that is another like entire industry in and of itself importing. It's like the most archaic mm -hmm. business. Um, but so yeah, I, I don't even remember the question. Like, <laughs> well, that's what, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I love that. Like, I mean, I, I think, going? but you... So you got, you, you got, you went to India, you discovered the coffee, you found coffee to bring in because you couldn't source it from anywhere. So obviously there's, there's definitely room, right? There's like no competition. You're importing it. And then what's the next step? Once you get these, did you, they come in beans? Oh yeah. Like, so, so coffee comes, it's, it's green coffee. So it's really like the, um, the seed of the coffee cherry hmm. and they're green. And they smell, they smell pretty bad. Like when they're, and they don't smell bad. They just don't smell like the they coffee. They don't smell yeah, like coffee. Oh. Not at all. So it's like after you roast it, they smell amazing and delicious. But yeah, so 
coming from a background in banking, I didn't know how to pick out coffee. I didn't know what I was looking for. I like, there's so many things that I was just like totally out, out of my like wheelhouse. Right. So I, I partnered with, um, this like head Q grader, which is like a sommelier of coffee. Um, and he helped me pick some really great beans and yeah, I imported it. And then I don't roast. So since this is really just like a one woman show, I was like, okay, I'll try roasting. And I tried that. And then I was like, no, nobody wants me roasting their coffee. This is like crap. Shiv tried it. He thought that no, no. So I had to find a toll roaster and, um, I found a toll roaster. So they just like, you pay them and they roast for you, but it's like white labeling. So you just put your brand on top of it. But I was working closely with the toll roaster. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to start a website and then I'm just going to make all the money. Like Indian coffee. Here's my website. (laughs) Oh, I'm so naive. Nobody knew about me because I knew nothing about marketing. And nobody knew like how to even come to my website. And I quickly learned that. So I was like, I really got to get this out to the people. Like I, I also just needed that validation of serving Indian coffee to people because a, like most people don't know that India grows coffee. They don't know what like Indian coffee is. It's very similar to a latte, um, but it's not. And I, I just wanted that experience, like that one-on-one. So I applied for a market in, um, in Brooklyn or no, in Queens, that was the first one. Mm-hmm. And um, I toted my little tent and my coffee and my milk like every weekend. And I sold cups of coffee to people who would come and buy it like at this open air food market. And it was really great. Like, I mean, I hated it, but it was so good in terms of like getting me out of my comfort zone and learning and just getting feedback from like, it was basically R&D, right? Um, I learned that how to like not burn milk when you're like trying to serve coffee. Cause the whole thing is like, this isn't brewed in um, an espresso machine and I don't have like the milk frother. And like, so I had to like really figure out how to serve this outside of home on a massive scale, not massive, but like on a larger scale to people like um, at will, like how to do it throughout the day. And it was, it, it was really great. And I, I, I got a lot of confidence and I applied for um, Smorgasburg the next year. And Smorgasburg is an amazing outdoor food market in Brooklyn. So I got in and I was just like over the moon for that. So I was like, all right, this is like, I'm in, I'm in the big leagues now <laughs> in terms of like food market. Um, that, so yeah, I, I, I basically... I did all this so that I could do some like R and D so that I can like figure out and tweak like my product. And then also the hope was to sort of drive sales to the website that never actually happened. Like so many people who come to Williamsburg are tourists. The people who live, um, the locals that live around the area will come, but like they're coming every weekend. So they'll get their coffee fix then. And no one was, I mean, I had a few sales like online from Smorgasburg, but it wasn't really what I thought it would be, but it was still really great. Like you make tons of cash and it helped sort of like keep the business going while I figured out what the hell I'm doing. By the way, like I never had a business plan. I still don't have a business plan. <laughs> I probably should not admit that, but like in total honesty, it's like, it's just in my head. Like I have an idea of what I want and I do it. <laughs> like, and I kind of just 
figure it out along the way. I don't recommend that, but like, that's how I work. So, and, and you are, this girl is a hard worker, you know, I mean, you may be, I need to be a smart worker though. Like that's your 2020. You're smart too. And you're very practical. And, you know, I mean, she's talking like she's just stumbling on this, but you know, it surprises me that you are so creative. You you. work very hard. She, Mm -hmm. and she's, Every, and when you say it's a one woman show, it's a one woman show. I mean, with some help from Shiv, we no. would definitely give Shiv credit. Yeah. But, you know, from every detail to the packaging of Ministry of Capi to the specific bottles that she picks, that's all her. And then I want to hear more about you going to these farmers markets and and all the different markets and even the boat show. You need oh to tell God. everybody Miami about the, boat the Miami show. boat show. But she also has this beautiful little truck. Tell her about your truck. And it's a uh, 1977 Fiat Coriosco. For those of you that know about trucks, I don't know what that means. Basically, Fiat, Coriosco bought Fiat like in 77 and they had this, Fiat had this pickup truck and they decided to cut out the back or it was like a van. It's like a mini VW bus, right? Imagine a mini VW bus and then Coriasco comes in, they cut out the back and make it into like a pickup truck. And so it's tiny. And I'm like, I'm five feet. It's like one on a good day. And it's like perfect size for me. Like my husband gets in and he's like crouch, like, you know, his head is like hitting the top of the, but I still have to have a pillow. Like when I get in, cause my, my feet can't touch, like they can't reach the, um, what is it? The, the clutch. The clutch. Yeah. <laughs> so I have, I like, I, when I bought this thing, I went out and I immediately bought a pillow and then I bought a speaker because I was like, I need my tunes. So, <laughs> and you refurbished the whole thing. Not right? yet. Or, no, it's still a dream. But it's, it's like, it's like a bright, it's bright red. red. And like, honestly, I think somebody in like Italy just literally took a can of red paint and like painted it. It's not even a great paint job, but it's a really beautiful red. And then like there's red leather interior. It's so funny, but I mean, it's, it's, it used to haul lumber before I bought it. And then it was sitting in a shop in Bergamo for like, I don't know, a few years, probably more. Um, And I I got it with the intention that this would be so cool to do it. These markets and these pop-ups, like that'll get all of the, you know, that'll pull in all the customers, Um, which it did. And then I think some people like just wanted to see it rather than buy coffee, but it was, it's a lot of fun. I still have it. Um, And you would just like load it up and, and the way that she stages her space for the coffee, it's just, you know, I mean, I think it just draws so much attention and, and you, you definitely have a knack for that. And I think, Oh God, I think not, but thank you. Yes. I swear every time I set that thing up, I'm always tweaking the presentation because I'm like, this just doesn't work. This like looks so weird. Like the back of the bed is actually quite huge. It's like the size of um, a queen size bed. And because I don't have like all this machinery for the coffee, like I literally roll up with all the coffee pre-made and then my milk and, and a few like you know, straws and napkins and such, but I don't need that much space. So it's always like trying to fill it out and making it look cute. But, and it's kind of awkward because it's like, I'm not inside the truck. I'm literally standing either at the back or like on the side, but yeah, I got it for these markets and I used it. I used it in New York for a year before shift broke it. He's going to listen to this. So I, you know, I'll just be totally honest. Like I went to 
um, the Hamptons for an event, drove it all the way there. Probably not the best idea, but it got us there and it got us back. And literally the next weekend, I had to go back home to California and Shiv was working the market for me. He calls me at 6 a.m. And he's like, um, babe, I'm on the side of the road. I broke the, <laughs> the car broke down. The truck broke down. And I'm going, what? He went over uh, a pothole and it like stripped some axe. I don't <laughs> oh, know. Oh, no. Yeah. So that was the the death of the Fiat in New York, but I brought it back down. I got it fixed and I brought it back down to Miami and she's happy here. (laughs) She's just, she's, yeah. She's like, give me the nice weather. (laughs) So I use it for, um, the Miami boat show and this other really awesome, um, event that we do called ground up. It's like a musical jam bandy fun weekend, um, at the North beach band show. Very cool. Very cool. Well, besides those events, you know, where can our listeners find the ministry of Cappy? Yeah. So we are totally online right now. Um, 2020 was like a really great year for pivoting Mm -hmm. um, because I kind of wanted to exit the events altogether and just focus online. And um, that's where we are right now. We we wholesale, but primarily 90% nine percent of our business is online so it's just um ministry of copy.com copy spelled k-a-a-p-i so yeah you can find us there and then if you if you're in new york you can get our coffee at kolkata chai they are an amazing little chai um place down in the east village and um our coffee our coffee <laughs> coffee 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 like it just it it goes with um their whole setup so well because their chai is amazing and then people can also get Indian coffee. Um and then we also wholesale um to under the mango tree in Miami on the beach. Mm-hmm. So you can find our coffee there if you're local to Miami. Um so yeah, it's just it's just those two accounts right now. We had <laughs> So funny because like literally after all of these events, I, after the boat show, I was like, I am done. Like, it's just so much work that goes into it. It's really, really physical and hard on the body. And then the pandemic happened, like right after I said, I'm done. Yeah. That was the boat <laughs> show is usually like, February. Yeah. And, and then we wrapped up, went to India to go source coffee. And then we came back and flew back into Miami and like against our better judgment, like the pandemic had just started. And I was like, I don't know if we should go. And she was like, it'll be fine. We had to cut our trip short in India, come back. And, um, yeah, like, so all of my business can, you can imagine, like I was just doing events. And then with the pandemic, I'm like, well, that's not happening. So I guess I can focus online, but I was just so like paralyzed. I didn't even know what to do. Like, how do I, how do I do that? And people slowly, but surely found me. And it's been really great. Like the business is now online and I'm really just pivoting and focusing my efforts on drawing more people to the site and then also trying to um, do more wholesale accounts and then rebrand because really the markets, if I'm totally like honest with myself, I think it was just a lot of like R and D work that I needed to do for myself just to like prove that like I have a great product and people like it. And I, you know, like I should be doing this, but like in a different capacity, like not through market. Yeah. I think that 
it's a great learning, right? To like really be talking to your customers. And, and it's funny because when I told Bridget about you, I'm like, she's like Bethany Frankel, like pushing skinny girl, you know, because, you know, regardless of what anybody might think of her, like she was hustling, like she was out there doing tastings all the time because I saw it on Real Housewives. Yeah. <laughs> like she was literally out there. And I think it's in any business, you know, and, and in our business and, and we work with the Beam Centauri portfolio, but, you know, and it's, it, there's so much influence from the Japanese, but it's like Gemba, right? Like be out there mm. and like hear from your customers and that's how you're going to get better. So I just love to hear that you really created this business by like, okay, now I need to do this. How do I do it? You know, and, and it's kind of just worked with you. And then I think then you know, and then you're like, okay, I need to do these fairs. I need to do these markets. It's brutal. Cause I know you're there at like mm. five o'clock in the morning before and the I'm sun even comes person, up and you're so. not a morning person <laughs> and you're there all day serving hundreds and hundreds of coffees. And it's good. And you're kind of hooked to it because you need it, you know, like that's the cash flow. And then, you know, I, I love how you were saying, like, you didn't really know how to like kind of do your online presence. And then COVID just kind of hits. And then it like, Forces Isn't you. that funny how life works like that? Yeah. It's like, oh, you don't want to do that. That's uncomfortable. Well, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> now you're doing it. Yeah. But, then, but then you don't also have that guilt or that difficult decision to stop doing the markets because I, you probably wouldn't have stopped. No, I you would, would still I was, go to the I next I have the car packed up and ready to go back to New York. Like I had everything sorted. Like, what am I going to keep in Miami? What am I, what's going to go back to New York? Like I was organized and I'd never been, yeah. I was like ready. And I was going to go back up there. This was going to be like the year that I was just going to hustle and do it myself and make some money. And yeah, it didn't work like but that. It's, but it's worked out for you. I and I know you've been super busy. Like yeah. you've been selling out of your coffee. Oh you had to find a roaster here because yes. you guys moved here. <laughs> yeah, we we cycled through a couple of roasters. So I was working with a great, great company up in New York, Drift Away Coffee. I hope they're okay with me saying that, but they're amazing. Like, just like, there's a lot of pretentious people in the coffee world and they are not. And I was just so blessed to be working with them, but that's when I was in New York and it was just, I, I thought I would be going back and back and back. And like the, the date just kind of kept getting postponed. Right. So I had to find someone down here. Um, because yeah, I was just like, they were roasting for me and then shipping my coffee. And it was just like all these massive delays. And so I, I now have a, a roaster here that I work with. We roast with um, Patriot Coffee. They're based over in um, in Lakeland, Florida, just right outside of Tampa. They are wonderful. There's a woman roaster that I'm working with and she's actually like going to teach me. Not that like I want to roast myself, but like I'm interested in learning because there's so much that goes into it and it helps you pick out coffee and like figure out what you want. Um, so it's just, it's evolving and it's growing. So I've moved all my operations down here now and yeah, I'm like ready for the next thing. And I'm, I'm really blessed. Like 2020 was such a crappy, crappy year, but in so many ways, like I'm just so blessed for the things that it has forced me to do. So, I mean, you can look at, you can choose to look at it however you want, you know, and I'm like trying to choose to be a little bit more positive because I'm not normally a positive person. <laughs> I'm a realist. <laughs> Shiv likes to think I'm a pessimist, but whatever. Like I'm trying to just like see the silver lining in things now. 
Well, it's, I think it's, it's amazing that, you know, you've stuck to it for, for so long and it's really easy to just kind of give up and, Thank and be you. like, never mind. I'm going to, you know, and, and oh, as we're in March and we're celebrating Women's History Month, you know, Bridget and I think it's really important that we share everybody's stories and everybody's journeys because it's, you know, we want other people to listen and not only be inspired, but be motivated to be like, well, Danae could do it, you know, yes, and yeah, um, like, not that I'm taking anything never, away from Danae, no, you have a lot of hidden talents, but then oh, say, I'm going to go do that now. And I've had this idea, but you know, there is one thing I, I did want to ask you, because it's something you and I talked about a little bit. And I think it's really important to, to have that dialogue. You know, you had mentioned, especially with, um, you know, we were all took a beating with COVID first happening and not knowing what's going to happen. And a lot of uprising with social injustice and just questioning of everything. I mean, it's just been a wild, wild year. And, you know, you shared with me, you know, being somebody that's, um, you know, American, Mexican-American, coming from a multi, you know, national family, marrying an Indian man, feeling connected to his family, even though it's a totally different culture and feeling like that's for your family, but then also facing a little bit of maybe judgment or sensitivity with, with this whole thing of like cultural appropriation. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I would love to just kind oh of, my God, I could cry right now. Like, this is <laughs> like, this stunted me. Like it's really been the most, it's been the biggest block I think of my progress or my ability to move forward is this, uh, sensitivity and not wanting to, you know, culturally appropriate, or like, I just want to be respectful. I want to be curious and respectful and like try and do the best that I can buy Indian coffee and the culture that surrounds it. Like I am so hyper aware that I am a white chick doing Indian coffee. And even though I'm Mexican, nobody would know that I look freaking Irish. I'm not, but like I have, I'm like pale and I have freckles. (laughs) And like, I remember, you know, when I was little, my grandma was like, don't worry me, huh? Like in Mexico, they have, they're blonde and they have pick us too. And I was like, what? No, no, they don't. You're lying. But I mean, like this identity thing has just been something that I've really been trying to sort of integrate within myself and like regain my Mexican identity. And I I feel like that is so related to um, my business and also just like the sensitivity around like you know, being this white girl who's doing Indian coffee, because I've been called out for that. Like there was a girl who wrote an article about, you know, she was from India and she came to the U S and was living in New York and studying. And she noticed that like, I was charging, I don't know, $6 for an Indian latte, quote unquote. And she was pissed off about that. And I I get it. Like I get her frustration a thousand percent. Like I'm not calling it filter copy. Like I had to call it an Indian latte because nobody knew what the hell Indian like filter copy was. Like you have to give them a 10 minute speech before they can actually order your coffee. And like, it just doesn't work that way. And also like it's Brooklyn. Like you, you, I had to charge like higher prices because the rent was just insane. And like people want the organic oat milk and the organic like almond milk and coconut. Like, so she, I, she like leashed out and And, um, I, it was really, really hurt by that, but at the same time, I totally get where she's coming from. And then like, I've had other people call it Gora copy, which is like, I was like, what the hell is Gora? And like, 
my family was like, that's basically like white girl, but it's a bad connotation. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so funny. Cause I've been called that in like Spanish too. <laughs> like, I'm like, for fuck's sake, like you just can't win. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm just so sensitive to that because I also see from their point of view, like my, my mother, like I, I witnessed racism from her perspective growing up. Like I've seen what it's like done to her and like how she's handled it and like, or just like little minor incident things. And it's, yeah, I just, I really want to be like super sensitive to that. And I'm so worried that people are just gonna be like, oh, this isn't real because you know, she's, she's white. But I know that there's like, there's so many people who reach out and love what I'm doing and love the coffee and are just so happy that like, I'm even getting it out there. And that is what I'm trying to focus on and like connect with those people who really get the, the mission. And, and yeah, at the same time, I'm like not trying to, you know, take this out of context or anything. It's like really important for me to, to keep with like the most natural roots, but like just show it in its best expression, you know, like find really high quality beans, like educate people that India grows exceptional specialty grade coffee. And cause there's also like such stigma around that too, which is another conversation, but like, there's a lot of stigma around, uh, Indian coffee. And, and I want to just turn that on its head and be like, actually, guess what? Nope. There's another narrative here. There's another story and try this. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, like with all of the, this, the things going on last year. I mean, I just, I almost didn't know like how to react because I was just so afraid of saying the wrong thing, of doing the wrong thing. Um, and I think that, that just stunted me and yeah, it's, it's almost like, it's almost worse. You know what I mean? Like staying silent. Yeah. Um, or giving up yeah, or, or saying, giving, yeah. you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore because, you know, I mean, I think it takes a lot of courage to, to know like what your truth is. Right. And yes, there could be cultural appropriation and, and, you know, whatever, I mean, it, it exists, right. And in, in a lot of within the industry, outside the industry everywhere. But I think, you know, what your truth is, you know, what inspires you, why you're passionate about it. I mean, you are Indian. You're married to an Indian guy. You've got Indian family. I feel like that too. Like Frost is South African. And I'm like, we say that, like, I've been there now like four times. I feel like it's my country. Like I am African, you know, and I embrace the culture. There's a lot that I've learned within the culture that I bring into how I raise my family now. And, you know, I I think it's great that you didn't let that deter you, but I know it was a really hard time for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny when I I told my family about this, my mother-in-law got so pissed. She's like, but you are Indian. And I'm like, I mean, I don't live there. And she's like, you have your OCI card now. (laughs) And like Shiv is, and Shiv actually is an American citizen now. And Mm -hmm. my dad And he's American. Yeah. And my dad is like, you are uh, through and through American now. Like he doesn't, my dad like does not see him as Indian whatsoever. He's like, you're American. (laughs) Yeah. Cause once you're here and you're, you know, and, and now you're part of, you know, but I think what I love about this country and 
is that it is a melting pot, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's really from here. And when everybody came here from all these years, they brought something from their country. And I love, yeah, I go out and, you know, I've obviously I'm, my mom's Korean and I love Korean food and I've always been so proud of Korean food. And when I was little growing up, people would like make fun and like, ew, kimchi, gross, that stinks, that stinks, that's gross. And we would go out and you'd never hear anything about Korean food and food TV or magazines Mm -hmm. or anything. And now it's like, so cool. You know, like everywhere you go, there's kimchi sauce. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. And they're like, it's kimchi <laughs> sauce. I'm like, that is not kimchi sauce, but you know what? I'm glad that they're talking about kimchi mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. a, and you know, and I, and that just makes me proud of my country and that people are out there and that people are interested yes. and want to eat. Yeah. It's like, Korean we have food. a way to go obviously, but it's just so great that we can have these conversations and then we could like think introspectively, like, what does this mean for me? Like, how do I fit into this mm-hmm. equation? Like, it, it's just like, we're sort of shifting perspectives and, and just the opportunity to like have conversations and, and be introduced to new things. It's like, it's a great starting point. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like perfect immediately. Right. Like not negating the fact that like, clearly we still have a lot to do, especially with what just happened in Atlanta, but like, oh, yeah. you know, let's, like baby steps. We'll get there. And I, I just, I think it's, I think it's great that, yeah, it, sometimes you like have to have therapist used to say this. It was like, it's always going to rain before it pours. Like you always, you have to like go through some the really hard crappy part. times mm-hmm. in order for you to come out on the other side. And like, yeah, I just feel like that's where we are collectively. So. Yeah. I I appreciate you being so brave and just really being, you know, truthful in your um, experience. I think that there's a lot to learn from your journey. And uh, I think there's a lot you don't give yourself credit for either. I know I just met you, but my goodness, I mean, you're out there, you're doing that you're part of a wonderful Indian family and you're really, you have a platform to showcase the beauty of the culture of India. I don't see anything terribly. Yeah. I mean, it's really just most of my shit that I have to get over. Like I recognize that, but well, we all do that, right? um, We, we get in the way of ourselves. And I think another thing too is, you know, and, and what I really think about, you know, not just women's history month, but all the time, um, is as women, we are half the population and we have to help each other and we have to support each other and we have to sponsor each other. And, you know, Ross shared this article with me a couple of weeks ago that was like, women need sponsors. And it yes. doesn't just mean men sponsors. We need women sponsors. We need everybody. And uh, something else I'm really passionate about is you can't be for gender equality if you're not for race equality, right? Mm-hmm. So we all need to help each other, regardless of what race we need to do any Anything and everything to like empower, build each other up, especially when you're working hard, you're hustling, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, pick them up, help them up and, and not tear anybody down. Yeah. And I've been, you know, Danae got a great little buzz on, you know, um, on Twitter with one of these journalists or TV reporters that were talking about getting her coffee and it went viral, getting Ministry of Cuppy. And so I was looking at some of the tweets and you do have so many people and so many great customers that literally are getting regular orders of your coffee, you know, and, and a lot of people that I would read that's like, 
they've been looking, you know, that are, it reminds them of their home country, you know, and, and they're from India and they're like, oh, thank God. Like I can yeah. now get my coffee here and they're ordering regularly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And you know, what's so cool is like, we get like moms from Ohio now who would have never known about Indian coffee. And now they have subscriptions like, you know, every two weeks for their decoction. Like it's just, it's nuts. And that's what makes me really happy. It's like, I'm, I'm introducing, introducing something that's I think so delicious and I get to Mm -hmm. share that with people. And that's really, that's really fun. Like that's what drives me. You're doing such great things, Danae. Oh, really God. doing. You're Please, doing I'm the. Like getting- you're doing the work. You're doing <laughs> the, the hard work. But I think it. Your your journey is so fascinating. I've never met um, a female. I don't know what your full title is. Let's say CEO of a coffee company ever <laughs> in my life. She is no CEO, dishwasher. boss lady, dishwasher. President of, you know, you're, you're everything <laughs> to that company. But I just think that your journey comes out of um, a true, a very truthful place for you. Thank it you. comes out of the passion to show the beauty and the kindness that surrounds a culture that you not only adore and love and embrace, but you are very richly a part of. Yeah. So thank you for sharing your story today. And, 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 and I just, you know, I think that your, your coffee is delicious. You sent me some samples and it's so damn good. So <laughs> well, that's what she calls it. It's damn good coffee, right? Damn, damn fine Indian coffee. There, damn there, fine. There's your new name. <laughs> it is. Yeah. That, <laughs> so delicious. Thank Damn you. fine copy. <laughs> there you go. Yes. yes. Thank you so much for your kind words. It really, mm-hmm. I think that's it's just so inspiring to um I'm also trying to do this is like find more women, not necessarily like me, but that I identify with, or like if I'm looking to, you know, improve in certain areas, like I, I I look for women who have gone through it, like sort of that I identify with. And I'm like, okay, they're doing it too. Like it's possible for me. And I just, if there's like anything small that that someone can glean from my, from my story and helps them like that makes me so happy. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing like great work out there. I'm like bringing coffee to people, but like, you know, it's, that's my, that's my story. But you're doing something great because you, you had a vision an idea and you're working really hard at it every single day. Right. And, and now you, you have something, I mean, you know, she's super humble, but she's like, selling out a coffee. She's selling a ton of coffee. Right. And then once this booms, you'll probably, you know, and once we can have the the markets and the fairs, I'm sure you will be there because I will be showing up (laughs) getting my coffee while I'm, you know, shopping for, for fruits and vegetables at the market. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's a really amazing thing and we can't see where, I mean, we can't wait to see where you are a few years from now. I have a lot of big plans and not just coffee. Like there's so much that I want to do to give back and like, especially with the environment and the workers and it's just, yeah, I've, I've got some big plans. So, well, we want to just thank you so much for coming on served up Danae. We hope that you come back and give us an update about all the good work that you're doing. And you know, on behalf of Julia and myself, I just want to wish you great health and a lot of peace. Thank you so much. Thank you. So great to have you, Janae. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. 
Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!